Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa barak. Ala al-ashraf al-anbiya wa mursaleen. Nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man sallim wa taslima katira. Wa sallam wa taslima katira amma ba'd. Ayakumullah jami'am wa barakallahu fikum. Apologies for the late start of our lesson today. Insha'Allah uh, ta'ala, the intent is to discuss uh, the beginning of Kitab al-Hajj, right, the chapter pertaining to Hajj. As we, as we discussed before on the last lesson, and we explained the last lesson, the reason why we're going directly from Kitab al-Zakat to Zakat al-Kitab uh, al-Hajj is due to the fact that previously we've already covered Kitab al-Siyam in the lead up to Ramadan over last year. And so we'll go directly to Kitab al-Hajj and then when Ramadan approaches again, inshallah, then we'll find uh, something that's munasib, something which is fitting and suitable to go through as well, if Allah Ta'ala permits, yani pertaining to the ahkam of Ramadan and Siyam. And so, here we have the chapter pertaining to Hajj. And sometimes it mentions Kitab al Hajj wa Umrah. So the chapter pertaining to Hajj and Umrah, yani both of them together. And so, Ibn Qudama, Rahimahullah, he mentions Yajib al Hajj wa Umrah, Marratan, fi Umri, ala Muslim Akil Balik, Hur, ila Sata, ilahi Sabina. And so, he mentions and he begins by the mentioning of the obligation of Hajj and Umrah. That Hajj and Umrah is an obligation upon every individual once within their life. Upon every Muslim, Akhil, a sound mind, Balik, an individual that has reached puberty, Hur. He's a free individual, he's emancipated, and he has the ability. He has the ability to perform. But before anything else, the first thing, like most, when we go through a new topic, we wish to begin with its ta'rif, with definition. And so the definition of Hajj, definition of Hajj. Linguistically, logatan is al-qast, an intent to do something. Whilst the definition of hajj, yani shar'an in the sharia, is al-qast, yani qast of baytullah al-haram, li'ajli a'da' al-munasik. So it's the intent to go to the Baytullah al-Haram is intent to go to the Baytullah al-Haram in order to perform the manasik and perform the rites, the rituals of Hajj and Hajj itself in terms of shukr is this an obligation the ruling of Hajj is an obligation and it was made an obligation in the ninth year of the Hijrah after Fatah Makkah. 
However, the Prophet did not perform the Hajj in that same year. Due to the fact that they were still mushrikeen at the time. And so the intent was to cleanse the land of the mushrikeen. And in relation to Umrah, Umrah in terms of its linguistic meaning is a ziyara. A ziyara, and it's to make a visit. Whilst the Shar'an, the definition turns to the Sharia of, of Umrah, is a ziyara. Naam, a ziyara. Ziyara to the Haram. Ala hayat al maqsusa. Ala ghalat al maqsus. And so, Umrah. Linguistically, is the visit to the Bayt al Masjid al Haram, the Bayt al Haram, in a manner which is specified and for a specified intent. This is the Umrah. And as is mentioned, it is an obligation. Naam is an obligation. The, the Umrah itself is an obligation. Thereafter, he mentions in the obligation of the, uh, or the, the condition rather, of the Hajj. Conditions in order for a person to perform Hajj. And you can say that these conditions are of different types. And The first of the condition, the first type of condition, is a shartli wujub wa siha. So the first type of condition is a condition referring to, or in order for it to be an obligation, and in order for it to be accepted, yani the correct action. So the first one is the wujub wa siha. And the second is the condition in order for it to be yani wujub well ijazi. Wujub well So the second type of condition is the condition for the obligation as well as it being rewarded. <coughs> and in the third, 
the condition upon يعني is obligation alone نعم so these are the three types so the first of the three being what إخوة Rules of obli obligation and it to be accepted. The second obligation and the reward. And then the third that's an obligation. So going back to the first, then this is referring to the conditions of an Islam Well Akan. I the Islam, I the person is a condition that the person is Muslim. And likewise, it's a condition that the person is aqil. And so, مثلاً, لا يصح الحج من كافر أو مجنون ولا مجنون. So we cannot now say that the hajj is accepted from the kafir or the majnun. So we have the condition that for in order for it to be accepted. نعم. And these two fall into that. The Muslim and the uh, the Aqil. We do have the discussion as well, and we've mentioned it in a few other Namasatin, pertaining to if the Hajj or if the yani the, 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 the Kafir is Mukallaf. Now, so if the Kafir is responsible for his actions in terms of, is it a case of it's an obligation for him to pray, even though he's a kafir, my friend. Or it's an obligation for, for, for Hajj, even though he's a kafir. Uh, or it's an obligation for him to fast, even though he's a kafir. Naam. You remember this discussion? Naam. What did we mention? What did we discuss? What did we go through? For those that remember. The obligation upon them. That was the... Being punished in the That's the answer. You should have woken up. No, that's the best. That's what I. And what else is we also use? Masala for supper. No. What has caused you to enter the fire? And it was a khitab. It was an address to the kafar. Now, what has caused you to enter the fire? And what did they mention in, in response? And we learn from that, those that establish the prayer. Naam. The response wasn't that we entered the fire solely because of the kuffar. We entered the fire because we did, not, we did not establish the prayer. And so what we understand from that is that uh, the kafir is obligated to, uh, to perform the actions of the same, ob the same obligations that are upon us as Muslims. However, if they do perform these actions whilst they're still kuffar, they're not accepted. Naam. So this is the first <coughs> obligation, and that is accepted. The second is that the condition in order for it to be obligation, and as well as that, rewarded. And there are two individuals entered into this. That is the balik and the hur. The balik and the hur. I, the individual, that's balik. And the individual that is free. The Mishaid of Putin is free. And so it's not for the Shalot of Sihah. 
Naam. So we cannot now say, for example, the Sabi, the child, if he performs Hajj, that his Hajj is not accepted. Naam. The Hajj is performed the rights of Hajj. So it's not from the Shurut of Siha. However, it's from the Shurut when it comes to it being rewardable. What we, understand, what we understand from that is that if a person performs Hajj whilst they are still a child, they are still obligated to perform Hajj after puberty. Naam. Why? Because it's following conditions. And so it cannot now be said that there is, they attain the reward of the Hajj just as a person that is, that is valid does attain the reward. Likewise as well, the Abd, the slave. If the slave was to perform Hajj, now, whilst the slave, then if he is ever freed, at that point, he's still he's obligated to perform Hajj of Islam. Now, he's obligated to perform the Hajj of his Islam. And so, however, if the slave was to perform the Hajj, then they will not now say that that, that Hajj is not accepted. My friend. Now, does it make sense, of course? So, then we have the third, which is the condition in relation to need the wujub fakat, the obligation. Now the obligation alone, and this is in relation to istitaa, in ability. This is in relation to ability. That if the person has an ability, then it becomes an obligation upon him to perform hajj. Now, if the person has the ability, then it becomes an obligation for him to perform the hajj. And there's a discussion about whether that that obligation is ala or ala taraki. Ala meaning that as soon as they have the ability, they must perform the Hajj. Ala taraki, meaning as soon as if they if they get that, that that ability, that they are able to delay the Hajj for whatever reason. That makes sense of course. But most apparent. Is that it is Allah folk. Yeah, that a person, as soon as they get the ability, they must perform the Hajj. And it's something as well that we should always yeah, uh, reflect upon in terms of the Hajj of our Islam. Because people will say that the Hajj is too expensive and XYZ, but along with that, they may have the, the wealth and they put their wealth into other things. Some are not even realizing. <laughs> Ma'am, so they put their work into other things, not even realizing that if they put that money aside, they were able to perform the Hajj of their Islam. But maybe due to this distraction, the, the dunya, whatever the case may be, they end up putting their money into things that are going to essentially distract them and take them away from performing their Hajj. And so, when a person has that ability, they should hasten towards it. An example of that as well is the fact that the Prophet Wasallam, <coughs> at the earliest opportunity, he performed the Hajj. So even though it was made an obligation in the ninth year, and some argue that because it was made an obligation in the ninth year, but how he did not he did not perform the Hajj until after that, that this allows for the person to say that they can perform Hajj, that taraki, yeah, they can delay it. However, what is understood is that the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he delayed, delayed the performance of the Hajj for a maslaha, as we mentioned earlier. 
Now, that they were still, this was still, the mushrikeen was still present. And so, in order to remove the mushrikeen and their practices, not just the mushrikeen, their presence, but their practices on, on Hajj. But what was known from the, to the practice of the mushrikeen and Hajj? You want know? They performed tawaf naked. So, in order to remove those practices, the mushrikeen and their practices in Hajj, now, then they took some time. Even after the Fatah Makkah. And so we understand from that is that the person must perform it yani, as soon as they are able to do so. And what we understand from Mr. Ta'a as well, the ability, <coughs> is that the person has the ability, yani, by way of his wealth, he has the ability by way of his wealth. He has the ability by way of the rahila, by way of the vehicle that will take him there. Likewise as well, he has security within his own self and his family. So he possesses security within his own self and his own family. Now, what we understand from the first, the wealth is clear. You have the wealth and you're able to pay that wealth. You're able to uh, pay for the Hajj and what everything that entails. Barahira, Again, if a person has the vehicle that can take them, generally now I do have an airplane, and the Amr is Yasir, the Amr is easy. And even if it was a case that they didn't, then of course if a person still was able to travel upon a riding beast that was able to take them from their abode to Hajj, then they have the ability. Now. Along with that as well, is that they have security. Meaning that they have security in their own self, meaning that the path that they take in order to perform the Hajj is one of safety. <coughs> the path they take in order to perform Hajj is one of safety. So, for example, if you were to say that the individual, in order for him to perform a Hajj, he has to go through war zones. Then you wouldn't say that this is a path of safety. And thus you wouldn't say that he has an istitaah. An example of that is that even though he did it, was a man that he made hajj from his home in Bosnia. And he walked from Bosnia to Mecca. This was only like 10 to 15 years ago. This was within the last 10 to 15 years. Within that journey though, he has to go through Syria. Go through Syria. And of course, the hal of Syria is ma'roof. And so, the reality is, if that was his only path to go to Hajj, then he would have the other, he had the excuse to not perform it. Because he doesn't have that path which is, yani, secure. 
Likewise as well, what is mentioned in terms of security is the security of uh, your family. Meaning that in your absence, if a person wants to go to Hajj, in your absence your family are in, safe, in safety. And that your absence does not cause hardship or cause yani, a threat to the safety of your family. Is that clear? So when it comes to security, security for your own self and security for those that you're leaving behind. And so they both of them have to be in place. Now, and then also when it comes to the, the day, if a person has a debt, then a person should not perform the Hajj until they've paid that debt, yani, until they've been able to pay that debt. Thereafter, Mukhadami mentions, ويتبر المرأة وجود محرمها وهو زوجها ومن تهرم عليه على تعبيد بالنسب أو سبب المباه Ma'am. And so, thereafter, as well, I mentioned ishtirat, the condition for the woman. So we have these conditions. We have the condition of Islam, we have the condition of the, the aql, we have the condition of uh, the person being free, we have the condition of the person being valid, we have the condition of the person having ability. That's general. Now, for men and women. Then you have the additional condition, which is the condition of the wujud of the mahram that the mahram is present this is the additional condition now and this is based on a narration where the nabi alayhi salatu wasalam he mentions la yuhil limra'atin tu'minu billah wal yawm al-akhir أن تسافر إلا ومعها ذو المحرم. الحديث متفق عليه. That is not permissible for the woman that believes in Allah and the last day to travel except that she has a mahram with her. Except that she has a mahram with her. And so we understand from this, this is this is general. Naam. This is the general affair of the Hajj. However, or general affair of, of traveling rather. However, with this as well, we understand that this can be attached to the Hajj as well. And that is from the conditions of the Hajj. And thereafter, I mentioned Ayna Maharim. Uh, it's going to be her husband or anyone that is related to her. Now, anyone that is related to her. And so, it's anyone that is related to her by way of Nesab or by way of Sabab. <laughs> Nesab, by way of lineage, 
or severed by way of another cause. Now, so the maharam by way of lineage would be who? Father, brother, uncle, which one? Which side? The? The dad side. The mom side as well. Talking maharam. The maharam is both sides. Now, so father, brother, uncle, both sides, you said? No. Grandfather. So basically, the father and going upwards. So father, grandfather, great grandfather, it would you? Nam. Likewise, going downwards. Sons, grandsons, Nam. And then we have the, as we mentioned, the, the uncles. So this is all Nesab. Who else as well? The father in law, that's, that's not Nesab though, because you're not related. Nephews as well. Naam. So, by way of a sabbath, by way of another cause, then who would be the maharam by way of another reason? I not by way of lineage. <coughs> Naam. So by way of through marriage. So who becomes the maharam by way of marriage? The husband, of course. <laughs> no. His father. The husband's father, Naam. Siblings. The milk siblings? No, you can say by, by way, not necessarily marriage, but by way of a reason. That's not lineage. The stepfather, no, so the, uh, the mother's husband. The son in law. Yes. Now, now, if you said that, the Imam should have a mahram. Ahmedov's not having it. <laughs> now, is it, why not? He's still an Ajna. No, he's still Ajna. So, not in terms of the Wilaya, <coughs> then yes. <coughs> so, if, she, if the woman doesn't have another guardian, then yes. But in terms of the mahram, in terms of the one that, that can be in khalwa with her, in terms of in uh, seclusion with her, <coughs> or to travel with her, then this this one this one is this. Naam. So is anyone that is attached to her through marriage. So also as well, I don't believe you mentioned it, but also the husband's sons. Naam, the husband's sons. So it's possible a woman marries a, a, a man and he has sons already. And these become the maharam as well. So each and every one of these are the individuals that uh, the woman is able to travel with them, and they are they are regarded as being the mahram. This is in uh, this is in opposition to what you find some individuals do now, some women do now, where they will go on Hajj or Umrah for that fact with large groups. And then they will say that the group leader or the group itself is my mahram. Naam. And this is not legislated. Naam. This is not legislated. And so rather, if a woman was to go to hajj in such a manner, it could be argued that this, this is something that affects the sihr of a hajj. Allah Ta'ala knows best because it has not fulfilled some of the shuruks. Wallahu a'am. And... Likewise as well, 
as you mentioned, this is not a manner which is that has been legislated. So this is not something where a woman can say that because she's going to perform the act in such a way. Allah Ta'ala Thereafter, Ibn Qadama, he goes on to mention, فَمَنْ فَرَّتَ حَتَّى مَاتْ أُخْرِجَ عَنْهُ مِنْ مَالِهِ هِجَّةً وَعُمْرَةً And so, if the person is negligent, I negligent in terms of performing the hajj, until the extent that they pass away, then the wealth is taken, something, or something from their wealth is taken, in order for it to be fulfilled, rather, for the Hajj and the Umrah. Naam. In order for it to be fulfilled for the Hajj and the Umrah. What do we understand by way of that, though, Ikhwan? That the wealth is taken. Is it just taken and just that, let's say, for example, a Sabili Mithal, that Hajj is £6,000. Is it just taken and just given to, to the Hajj group £6,000? That is given to. That, that money is used in order for someone to perform it on their behalf. So the money, it's not just a case of the money. Naam, the hajj still needs to be performed. Naam, however, the hajj needs to be performed on their behalf by another individual. Upon what condition? <coughs> that? The intent to do it and they've done it previously as well. That a person that's doing it on another person's behalf, they've done it previously before. Naam, as is mentioned in the hadith, where the, the companion mentions that they are performing the hajj and shubrama. Yeah, the, the, the companion mentioned that he's performing the hajj and shubrama, a, a relative of themselves. And then when it was asked, has he performed hajj for himself? And he, and he replies in the negative. Then the Prophet commanded him to perform hajj for himself first. Then after that, perform the Hajj for Shubram. Naam. And so, what we understand from that is that, first and foremost, if a person has not performed the Hajj, Hajj is deemed to be, a, to some degree, like a debt that needs to be performed. So when, going all the way back to now, we were discussing the Janais. Naam. We were discussing the Janais. And we were discussing the wealth of the deceased. We said that there were five things that are done with the wealth of the deceased. Sorry, do you remember what they were? The five, so some of the, some of the, someone passes away, there's five things to do with their wealth. So the first thing is the funeral costs. From before that. The debts. Now the perceived debts, the the the, ex the expected debts. Now the wasiya, so the anything up, going up to a third of a person's wealth. Now, which is the wasiya for who? All of all of the inheritors. Everyone other than inheritors. Anyone that will not inherit. Anyone that's not that, anyone that's not that, sorry, individuals that are not due to inherit. Now, then. Inheritors. So, so if you're talking about the wealth of the individual now for their hajj, which of the five would it fall into? The debts. The second one. The second one. The debts. Or possibly the third, you could say. Now, so it will fall into the the 
the debts of the individual that this needs to be, put, this needs to be performed on their behalf. If the individual fell short in that regard, ma'am, and they did not perform it. And thereafter, in the Qudam goes as I mentioned, وَلَا يُسِحُّ مِنْ كَافِرٍ وَلَا مَجْنُونٍ And so it is not accepted from the kafir nor the majnun, as we mentioned. So the, the hajj of the kafir is not accepted nor the majnun. وَيُسِحُّ مِنْ سَبِيرٍ وَالْعَبْدٍ and it's accepted from the Sabi and for the Ab. Now, so it's accepted for the child and for the, for the slave. However, they are not rewarded for it. Now, it's not a rewardable Hajj. Meaning that the Hajj would still need to be performed at the change of circumstance. Change of circumstance meaning I, they they uh, they grow up and become adults, or they become freed in this case of the slave. Naam. And thereafter he goes on to mention, min wal mar'a mahram, عن غيره ولم يكن حج عن نفسه أو عن نذره وقع حجه عن فرض نفسه دون غيره. And so, the Quran goes on to mention that it is accepted, is accepted from the one that is not able to do it. Meaning, they don't have the ability to do it, but he just does it anyway. Mephalan, say for example, the person has no money. Ben, he takes debts, he takes out loans to perform Hajj. Ma'am. So of course he's not from those that have the ability. If anything, now he's put himself in the red to perform Hajj. He's put himself in debt to perform Hajj. We do not now say that this individual's hajj is not accepted. Naam. Naam, do not say the person's hajj is not accepted. And also, because <coughs> I mentioned here at this point in relation to the mar'a, the woman, that she performs the hajj without the mahram, then the hajj is accepted. Naam. There's a discussion around whether it's accepted or not. However, but what's apparent is that it is accepted because there's, there's nothing to indicate that she has uh, nothing to indicate that she has uh, broken a condition or broken something that would uh, negate the Hajj itself. However, she has fallen into Haram by way of that. And it's possible that a person may fall into Haram but still perform the Hajj and still have a Hajj which is correct. An example of that, and it's a common example, is where individuals they perform the Hajj without what is known as the Tasrih. The Tasrih is the permit to perform Hajj. And if you perform it from, the, from a country or now nah, from anywhere outside of Saudi, you're given it anyway as soon as you go with your, your group. The group is given the Tasrih. 
as for if you're going from Saudi, then you have to apply for it generally yourself. And then you apply for it through the groups that are there. But what is common and what you find may occur is that the people will perform the Hajj without the Tasrih. Now, some of them they mention that performing Hajj like this is haram. Why? Now, so it's Mukhalaf you've upholds and you've disobeyed the ruler. Now I've disobeyed the rule. Ruler set this this particular rule. And we set that rule in terms of the the cap on the number for the masalih of the hujaj as well. For their benefit. And so when that is set, and if a person opposes that, then he has opposed the the command of the ruler. Naam. However, it is not now said that this is something which will uh, negate the Hajj. Naam. This is something that will negate their Hajj and negate their Hajj being accepted. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Thereafter, Ibn Qadama, he mentioned, and whoever performs the Hajj for other than themselves. However, they have not performed the Hajj for themselves already. Now, or they perform the Hajj and it's a Hajj where they vow to perform it. Or it's a Hajj that they're performing, but even it's nothing. That is a voluntary Hajj. However, they haven't performed the Hajj of Islam. Then the Hajj becomes the Hajj of Islam, or the Hajj becomes their own Hajj. Now, so for example, an individual says, I'm going to perform Hajj for my brother. My brother is deceased, I'm going to perform Hajj for my brother. However, he hasn't performed Hajj for himself. The Hajj that he performed, irrespective of what he intended to do in the first place, the Hajj that he's performed, all of those, all, all of those uh, manasik, are, it becomes his Hajj, and the Hajj of his Islam. Likewise, for every reason, if the person was to say that I'm going to perform this hajj, and this hajj is going to be a voluntary hajj, and I'm going to perform my hajj of Islam afterwards, for whatever reason. Now, sounds strange, but it could occur. Now, and the person says I'm going to perform the hajj of my Islam afterwards. Because they haven't performed the hajj of Islam, this becomes the hajj of their Islam. Now, this becomes the hajj of their Islam. <coughs> and... These are the main points and Allah Ta'ala knows best in relation to the beginning of what we want to discuss in relation to Hajj and its rulings. And the final thing we want to mention as well, just like many other of the ibadat that we've discussed and their ahkam, that the one that does not perform Hajj and he negates his obligation, then this is kufr. Now I'm the one that negates the obligation of the Hajj. This is for why? Because it's takdeeb, it's denial of that which is found within the texts, the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah Taala puts Anos best, and we'll conclude with that. Jazilahi Taala, jazakum la khaira, wa barakallahu fiqum, wa sallallahu wa barakallahu nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wasallam.
it's a condition in terms of wujub. Uh, we say condition in terms of if it is if it's present, then it now becomes an obligation. Hence, why there's differences in terms of conditions of whether it's sihha or wujub. That makes sense. Why we mention the three different types of conditions here. So it's a condition. It's conditional, meaning that as soon as that f- that's fulfilled, then it now becomes an obligation. So, for example, now, as soon as the person finds himself with the ability, so let's say, for example, the person's path to to Hajj was one which is now um, uh, go for go for a war-torn country. However, the war ends, and he has everything. He had everything else anyway. But now the war's ended and now he can go through that path. Now, then he has to perform the Hajj. So that condition is now fulfilled. Now it becomes an obligation. Right? If now, for example, he went through anyway. As I mentioned, the example of the, 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 man, the, 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 the pilgrim that walked from Bosnia to Mecca. Now, he went through anyway. His Hajj is still accepted. His Hajj will still be correct. Allah Ta'ala, in the case of the specific, of course not, we don't know. But in relation to any, generally speaking, the Hajj will be correct. So in terms of the Hajj being correct, then this is one thing. Now, in terms of it being, if you like, it's activating it, becoming uh, an obligation, that's, that's what it is it meant by that of that condition. Well, um, no. so you mentioned about the child, if he were to perform it, yeah. it's still not to be rewarded. No. Would the parents be rewarded? Not necessarily rewarded for the Hajj, but rewarded for everything that's entailed within it. You could say that possibly the parents will attain reward by way of personal tarbiyah and uh, the actions of, that are found within taking the child to, to Hajj or taking the child to Mecca and uh, what is a good manner of cultivating the child. All these things are, inshallah, with good intention. You know the wealth of the deceased, so you know, it, the order you gave it, in that order the wealth would go, like for yes. example, if it just suffices the funeral cost, then the money will go all to the funeral cost, yes. and then if it goes, okay, yes, yeah, so it's all in that order, because it's an order of priority, so the priority before everything else that the person buried. So that's the first thing that is that, that is dealt with. Likewise, as well, what is what is left with him are debts, so that has to be paid before anything else. Then, if he's he's by the way he has right to his wealth, a degree of right to his wealth, so he can say, "I want this to be done with my wealth." So that needs to be dealt with first as well, before finally anyone that that, that he's left behind that can take from his estate essentially. So it's in order of, pri- of priority. No. Based on that, you mentioned the a relative that performs for the hajj for someone else. Yes. His hajj will become first if he hasn't performed it. Yes. Say if a relative passed away and now they use that money. Yeah. Would it, but it wasn't his money. He yeah, he's he's his 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 relative's money, money. from the hajj, yeah. yeah. But he hasn't performed it before. No. So does that mean now he now like he's, 
is going to is going to, is going to to find that money for yeah. to form Hajj. On. No, the person that passes away, he uses it. No, I mean, that's what I mean. He's now perform. He's used that money. No. And essentially used it in error. Okay. Because he's used someone else's money to perform his own Hajj. So I mean, he's going to have to find that money again to perform the Hajj on behalf of of, of that relative. No. Allah Taala. When it comes to the don, if he is he being used. If he knew, of course it's done. You've taken someone's wealth and used it out about you, you, right? It's not his wealth. The whole point is that you're using his wealth to perform the action. <laughs> For him, this is wealth. His wealth. Uh, so yeah, it's called different. It's definitely. It's definitely. Just to clarify, the child will be rewarded, but it won't be counted as well. No, so in terms of uh, when, they, when they say rewarded, they're referring to the fact that they will have to do it again as an adult. No. As a Hajj, yeah, exactly. You know, um, the one that does Umrah in Ramadan, does he get the reward of Hajj? Does that mean there's different levels to Hajj then? Uh, no. Uh, how do you mean? Is it mentioned about the one that does Umrah in Ramadan? Yeah. Like that Hajj, it's like, you know, um, when Umrah, I think. Essentially because uh, Hajj itself is uh, ibadah of your body and your wealth. Naam is is a form of ibadah which you, you, you exert your body and you exert your wealth. The slave doesn't ha have any wealth, so it's it's like saying, for example, the slave uh, giving sadaqah is impossible. Naam because he doesn't have any wealth, or the slave giving zakah because he doesn't have any wealth of his own. Any anything that he has of wealth is is owned by his his. Uh, so that's essentially that's why. So if someone was to pay on his behalf to go and hajj, that's why that it wouldn't now say that this is the first he's performed the hajj and it's uh, the same as the hajj of the free individual because he hasn't used his own wealth to perform that. No. But if you're free and you're funded your hajj, that's still fine. No, no, it's uh, someone funded it and that's fine because you fulfilled that condition. Um, do you know the narrations that are mentioned about a certain action being the reward of Hajj? Yes. Is that the same in that you still have to do it, you just get the reward? Yeah, you still have to perform the Hajj, but you, you get the reward of it, the reward found within it. But you still have to perform the, the Hajj, the, the, the Hajj is there. No. from you know from the benefits of Hajj and Umrah is that it's a means of increasing your wealth. 
So a person should not look at it as this or that. They should look at it like I need to fulfill my the pillars of my Islam and then this inshallah will aid me with this endeavour. I hate it. Apparent is, is the is the debt that you have to pay to the people. To the people. Yes. Yeah. So you pay the debt to the people first, and then whatever's left. If you don't have anything left after that, then it cannot now be said that you um, you had the ability. Because we're talking about the one and the farratafi, yeah, and the individual that was negligent in regards to performing. The Hajj. So, what is the negligent? Is the one that had the ability within the performance and then died. Apparent and Allah Ta'ala manifest is that uh, as soon as he the person has the ability to take that person, I take the say for example his daughter, actually she should make it uh, a priority to take them and not rely upon uh, someone else. I find the mahram, i.e., the husband. Now, as for um, if it's ordinal, or if, if it's ordinal, then I'm, I'm not aware of any specific order where it's a case of um, you take this one first or that one after. If it's whoever you're responsible for and you're mahram for, then the person should, should make strike, make steps towards taking them if he has the the, the ability to do so. You could regard as being blameworthy and sinful because he has. It's obligatory for Allah Ta'ala to perform the Hajj as soon as he has the ability to do so. So if he doesn't do that, then he he's blameworthy. It's not even, even let's, let's put aside the fact that if he dies or not. Let's just say he gets the ability and he doesn't perform it and he delays it. Then even in that scenario, you could say that the person is blameworthy for that. Right? If he dies, then even then even it's the same it's the same scenario. Why? Because now he hasn't performed it, and the responsibility is led, left to others. But it can be said that his name was before that anyway, before he hit the point of his death. His death is just another, is, is just a con, is a circumstance now that means that the, the, ob, the obligation or the responsibility has transferred to some another individual. But in terms of it being blameworthy, then that could have been before the point of his death. Does that make sense? You know them, them group that I think insisters that without a mahram are they mm. sinful for that then? They could be, they can be sinful in terms of if they're normally doing it. 
if they're claiming that this is correct and, and it's upon my husband, this is, this is not uh, 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 yeah, misinformation, if you like, about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a lie from the deen of Allah. And this whole scenario would be, is, is one that is uh, blameworthy and Allah, Allah most blessed. No. And the last question. Um, so, uh, uh, so you know the, the people that are performing Hajj on behalf of the person, like, do they get paid for doing the action? Like, in terms of, like, you add two grand on top of and they get paid for actually doing the action? Oh, they, they should, no, someone should not take an ujra for it. Oh, okay, they shouldn't take um, any form of, uh, like, payment or, or renting, their, renting out their, their services, if yeah, you like, yeah. to perform hajj. What they can take is whatever they need for the hajj. So, let's say, for example, they need, they, they need uh, food or, or whatever else for the hajj. They can take that. They can take amount for for that specific purpose, but they can't say that I'm going to take this and I'm going to charge you this amount. This is something that is, Allah uh, understand, uh, became quite common uh, amongst uh, some of the tolava of the, the jamaah, where they would say they they do the hajj first, their first year, and then the years after that, they'll rent out their hajj services, <laughs> and uh, now and they'll say you know they'll charge whatever amount. Yeah, Allah no, the, the, what you, you can charge is just is just a particular whatever costs you the Hajj and whatever you need to sustain yourself during the Hajj as well in terms of food, even clothing, whatever the is your is your needs at that time within those days. Do you think there's brothers out there willing to do that? Yeah, willing. It's, uh, it's more than willing. They, they go around asking, do you know anyone that needs to do the Hajj? Yeah, more than willing. Yeah, Allah you know, if the individual earned money from Haramis but they left it behind, he still performed Hajj on their behalf. If an individual so is? Earned the money from Haramis and they deceased. And they still perform Hajj on that money that they earned. The old one is Haram. The old one is Haram. And Allah knows best then, uh, would say that this, this is, uh, there's, the money can't can't be used for anything. It's not it's it's not it's not useful, if that makes sense. It's like saying uh, usually when I, the person asks a question about the the haram money, I use the example of robbing the bank. It's quite it's it's, it's, it's so clear. That a person robbed the bank, they took the money. You wouldn't now say you can use that money to do anything with it, because it's clearly not your money. Nah. So when it's haram means it's you shouldn't look at it as your wealth. Because you haven't earned that wealth in a, in a manner which is upright and correct. So it's the same as mentioned the person goes into the bank, robs the bank, takes the money. That money doesn't belong to him. And so you can't start now say that even if he passes away after that, that with that wealth we're going to do this and this on his behalf. Because it's not his money. If that makes sense. So if it's clearly a haram money, then it's, it's, there's nothing that can be done to benefit with, with it. And in these scenarios where we have haram wealth, the only thing that it can be used for, if it cannot obviously need to be returned, if it can be returned, if it cannot be returned, then the only thing it can be used for is what is referred to as the services, right? So in the Muslim lands, it will go to uh, uh, a fund that builds, for example, build roads or things that are seen as low, lower things, uh, renovation of toilets, things like that. In terms of in the Muslim Muslim lands, then you can give it to the Masajid and in the Masajid, can use it to buy cleaning products for toilets 
or two, yani, build toilets even as well. So things, things of those low, lowly matters. But um, that's the only thing that can be done with that wealth if it cannot be returned. No. Allah knows best. And they won't be rewarded for it, right? No, it's not rewarded for it. It's not rewarded for it. So you can't say, I'm going to give my money to the masjid uh, so you can buy some cleaning products, Mr. Muscle and all of that, and then say that I expect a reward. No. Part of the reward of completing Hajj is obviously the sins being wiped out, right? Could you say now that, obviously, as the brother mentioned, if we, for example, after Salat al-Fajr, sit down and do the dhikr and you get the reward of Hajj? Of, of Umrah. Oh, you mean, so if you do, if you do Hajj in Ramadan? Hajj in Ramadan yes, yes. Do you get that reward also, or is that specifically just for the actual act of Hajj? Allah Ta'ala knows best. Uh, but from what's apparent, it would be only with Hajj. But then any reward that's attached to Hajj, then you get that for the action of Umrah. But in terms of the the sins being forgiven, then this is attached specifically to Hajj and Allah knows best. And uh, the Hajj Mabrur, the, the the righteous and accepted Hajj. And he, when Allah ta- or the Messenger of Allah mentions that there's no reward for it except for Jannah. Then this is referring to the this is referring sorry, to Hajj and performing the Manasik of Hajj. Allah Ta'ala knows best. So it's uh, it'll be with her. It will be with her husband's wealth, with the husband's wealth. Um, if she has wealth of her own, and she chooses to use that for Hajj for that as well, but uh, primarily it's the husband's wealth, because it's not ex- it's not expected that she's going to have wealth of her own. No, I'm allowed to handle this. It's up his game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so based on that, would there not be now she would be more prioritised than he's more, for example? So he, so say again. Well, um, I, see, I think I've seen a video, a video of the Mashiach speaking about that, saying the mother gets priority. Okay, no. But the earlier question, I think, uh, she was asking yeah. about who gets priority. <laughs> no. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>